Hey folks, I'm Andy Sido. Welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. My guest today is Michigan-based singer-songwriter Andy Baker. Hey again, hope you've been well. This is episode 76, I think, of Middle Class Rockstar. And holy smokes, just every time, every week I go, oh my gosh, it's episode what? It's episode what? In fact, I'm going to double check. Yes, this will be episode 76. Summer is here. Summer has started. It felt like it became summer on June 2nd here in the Denver area. It's been 50s, 60s, 70s, 60s. And then all of a sudden, bang, 90s the last few days. So it's here for us. Um, I'm excited to go up to my fiance's family cabin about 70 miles outside of Alamosa, Colorado, which um, is nowhere, really. I mean, it's 70 miles from a town. And uh, we go up to the little cabin a couple of times every summer and hang out. We're going up this weekend for the first time. And I'm really excited about it. We didn't get to go last summer because of the pandemic and... Um, you know, we were just trying to keep, I don't know, we kept our family very divided, you know, just just each household. So we never went up to the cabin last summer. So it's extra exciting now. And then shows are getting started. I have I have a weekly gig at, uh, at Eddie V's in South Denver every Monday, Thursday, Friday. That goes on when I'm in town. But um, my first out-of-town gig next week on the 15th, I'm heading up to Rock Springs, Wyoming. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, lots of fun stuff in July. I'm going to cut a record in Lafayette, Louisiana in July, which I'll talk more about in another week or two, but I'm very, very excited about it. Um, and then doing some house shows, doing a tour August 19th through September 11th. Still doing a little bit of booking for that, but I'm going out solo for the first time, and it's going to be my my uh, Dirty 30 baseball tour or something like that because I'm turning 30 on the trip, and I'm going to baseball games on all the days when I don't have shows. It's going to be awesome. By myself, back of the van. Um, I can't wait. It could get lonely. But I can't wait. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. What else? Is there anything else we need to go over? I don't think so. I always just remember things after the episode is published. Um, but that's how that goes. So, my guest today is Andy Baker. We've become good pals over the last few weeks. Um, I was a finalist in the Kerrville songwriting competition which has been going on since like the 70s or something i didn't even realize um you know how big of a thing this this competition this festival was until i became a finalist um, a couple months ago basically you submit two songs and there was 700 entries or something and uh if you're one of the top 24 by the judges the first round of judging you're called a finalist so I made it down from 700 to 24 or whatever, which was a huge honor. Not that you should uh, make a competition out of lyric writing. We talk about that in the episode. But it was cool. It was a good feather in the cap. This is the third time I've been a finalist in a, in a big songwriting competition this year. And it feels good. You know, uh, it's like, hey, you're doing something right. And you also have a lot more work to do. And I, and I like that. I like that. So I became a finalist. And there was a Facebook group made by uh, some really kind people who, um, you know, this this husband and wife who kind of help out with this every year, and they always go to the festival, uh, really, really nice folks. 
and they made a Facebook group for all the finalists. And then they had Andy in the Facebook group too, kind of as just somebody that we could talk to because he's somebody who was one of the winners last year, as was Shanna in a dress. Shout out to Shanna in a dress who's been on this podcast and was one of the winners last year. Um, anyway, so he was in the Facebook group and I saw that he was going to be in Colorado for a vet something. He's a vet and it, and it was a vet convention or something in, in Northern Colorado. And I saw that he was planning on doing something with Shannon and dress. So I, I got a hold of him and I said, Hey, um, let's all do something together. So they ended up coming down and doing a gig with me in Littleton and we did a writer's round and it was awesome. It was Shanna Andy and Andy. It was an Andy sandwich, as Shanna called it. And we just played songs, and it was so amazing to be with two other songwriters, to be playing our songs, playing our best songs. And it was really cool, really, it was kind of what my soul needed after the last year plus. And at the same time, it was really cool because I was with these two amazing songwriters. And I would always think, you know, when Shanna was playing, I'd say, okay, maybe I'll do this song next. And then I'd hear Andy play, and I'd say, oh, maybe I'll do this song next. It was fun. It was great. I learned a lot from it. It was it was just amazing to get back in a writer's round and, and sing songs with people. Um, anyway, so that's how Andy and I kind of met in person, and we got together to do this podcast. And we talk about uh, the Kerrville new, new Folk Competition and just songwriting competitions in general. He's done a bunch of them. He has uh, made it to the finals of this Kerrville competition and not won, become a Club 7 member, as they say. Um, he's also made it to the finals and won. Uh, so he, and Andy's been a judge. He was a judge this year, too. So we kind of just talk about the whole process and songwriting competitions and stuff. If you're a songwriter, uh, this, is, this is just great stuff to listen to. Um, he lost in 2017. He was a Club 7 member. He won in 2020. He was one of the winners. They picked six winners. I was not one of the winners this year, so I'm a Club 7 member along with John Hyatt. And, uh, you know, that's cool, I guess. I, it, it's, it's, really, it's really no uh, big deal either way. I was just, it was just cool to be in the finals. But that's how they, that's how they do it. If you're one of the six winners, uh, you're one of the six winners. And if you're one of the other uh, 18, you're a Club 7 member. He's been a member. He's been a winner and a Club 7 member. Uh, so we chat about Kerrville a bunch and then get into his story. And we did something completely new on this podcast that we haven't done before. We went through one of his songs called 16. It's a very powerful song. We play the song, we talk about the song, and then we go through the lyrics line by line and analyze. And I loved it. I loved it so much that I think I'm going to do it again. Maybe I'll even do a mini series spinoff. I don't know. So great, great episode, um, especially for songwriters. We're going to break down some lyrics, go through it. Uh, we're going to talk about songwriting competitions. We're going to talk about Andy's life. We're going to talk about um, what it's like having a day job. He's a vet. And then also doing music on the side. I know a lot of people that are doing that sort of thing. So wonderful episode um, for people that are interested in any of those things. Okay, I'm rambling now. So let's go ahead and jump in to my conversation with Andy Baker. I want to make quick mention of my Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W. I put up exclusive content from this podcast uh, and also my music career. Sometimes I put up unreleased songs or demos or special announcements. 
Um, sometimes I put in snippets of conversations that are not in the public podcast. For instance, I had Mickey Raphael on a couple weeks ago who was, who's been Willie Nelson's touring harmonica player for the last 50 years, and he really breaks down talking about the harmonica some, and that's only in the Patreon. It's not, it's not here on the podcast for you to listen to. Extra special content, right? Just for you. Okay, also quick thanks to our sponsors. Patrick at PQ Mastering puts the finishing touches on this podcast. For any of your audio or restoration needs, go to pqmastering.com. Also, Narrator Music. For simple and affordable licensing for sync, visit narratorrf.com. For any sponsorship inquiries, shoot me an email at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. Yeah, no, this is, this is actually, you know, some of this would be good to talk about because I think there's a lot of, um, there's certainly a lot of controversy. I don't know if the controversy is the right word. Um, uh, a lot of folks that don't like songwriting contests and, and probably for good reason, you know, it's, it's, it's art being judged and, uh, you know, we, I, I get that, but, um, I think for, uh, you know, well, I'm Exhibit A. I mean, if it wasn't for Kerrville, you and I wouldn't be talking here right now. You know, Kerrville was the was the thing that brought me um, out of the woodwork, and so uh, I think that's the that's the upside about these things is is uh, you know for someone who who really can't tour um, yet loves this craft of songwriting and 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 wants to take it as far as I can. Um, sorry, I keep bumping this stuff. Um, you know, that was my back door, I guess, into this world. And so uh, that it certainly um, um, served me well. But yeah, it's, it, uh, you know, the Beatles or the Stones. I mean, do we need a number one? Can't we just enjoy them both? Yeah, right. Of course. Enjoy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you on that. It's it's interesting. It's interesting, but but it's yeah. been good for you, right? I oh. mean, the whole thing has been great for for development and stuff. Yeah, well, it worked for me, but you know, I also got a lot of rejections. So I'm, I think, uh, anyone who's going to jump into that boat, number one, has to be ready to get the rejection letter. You know, and I I got a bunch of those too, and so um, you have to. Uh, I think you have to put these things in a room. You know, and and this is the songwriting room, uh, the competition room, and and you, you walk in there occasionally. You do your business. You come out, and you close that door, and and you go on with the rest of your your songwriter world. Um, and uh, win or lose or whatever, that that kind of stays in that in that room, I think. Um, but back to your your note about. Uh, about being lucky to, to, for the 24, I think being one of those listeners who listened to a couple hundred songs that chose the 24, um, yeah, I would, I would say no. Um, there are 16 judges that are uh, scoring these things. And so uh, there's a lot of ears on these songs at that point. And uh, there were definitely uh, songs that stood out, it blatantly stood out, you know. And mm -hmm. I think the most difficult part for me as a, as a listening 
judge in these things in general is judging the different styles because we had right. great songs that were obviously singer-songwriter stuff, you know, folk and, and singer-songwriter, that was the main stuff, but we had some rhythm and blues stuff. We had yeah. a little bluegrassy stuff. Right. And those songs are written differently than your average singer-songwriter song. So um, do you want to... Do you want me to keep going on this? Are, are we going at this point? You know what? I, we weren't, but this has been, I feel like we could be going, right? I, I we say, we do, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. I love it. Okay. So, so the different styles, I, that, that was the thing that was the hardest for me because uh, I'm drawn, as a singer-songwriter, I'm drawn to the stuff that pulls at my heart. And I... I'm always looking for something that moves me and, and maybe to a fault. So you can have a great bluegrass song that, that is getting people up and, you know, making them dance and move in, in a very different way. Um, but to me, lyrically, uh, isn't quite the same as, you know, uh, a singer songwriter song that's, um, uh, now, subject matter can vary quite a bit, but at any rate, um, you know, how do you score those two songs against each other? And um, that's that's what got difficult for me. And I think Kerrville is kind of trying to make this move to uh, be more inclusive of, of other styles of music. And um, it might be a situation where you need to almost create classes of genres of music, you know, um, and I think that uh, other songwriting contests do that, you know, there's a country and uh, there's rhythm and blues and there's gospel and there's, you know, and you can enter these different classes and then those, those songs are judged against each other. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that, that was the hardest thing for me. When this um, sounds, this sounds silly, but on some of those competitions, like international songwriting competition, yeah. um, I had a song in the finals of the Americana division this year. And there was a part of me as I was submitting for that. And some of these other ones where I wanted to send it to a prejudge to tell me what category to submit it to, you know, it, because we all have so much trouble doing that with our own music. And a lot of times when you play, you can play it for somebody else it, who knows the, you know, who knows what each thing is, at least in the competition, they can say, Hey, enter this in the folk or, mm -hmm. or whatever. But Kerrville is interesting because it is just, um, it seemed like anyway, hey, the, show us your songs um, and and show us two of them. I loved that too. You can't yep. just, uh, you know, I, I've got this one song and here's random other. Did you have to have two good songs in there? Yeah, it really forces your hand. Uh, I've had other contests where I've just sent the whole album, you know, and, and let them pick maybe. Um, but this is your, your, what you think are, are your two best songs and also what maybe shows off some of your, your versatility. So you're going to probably send in two very different sounding songs and, uh, hopefully of two different subject matters and, and so forth. And so, yeah, there's definitely, uh, I think an art, um, to, for yourself, for you as an artist to, to be picking out these songs. And 
us as judges got a chance to uh, listen to each artist's songs, the two songs back to back. So um, to back up a little, when I was judging these songs, I, I did not see a name. I did not know who um, you know wrote the song or who's performing it. It was just a number, number 506, A and B. And, but I got to listen to 506, A and B together so I could get a, a feel of uh, at least your two songs together. And I think that that went a little bit into uh, how I scored you as a as an artist um mm. you and, mean uh, you mean were you looking for were you specifically looking for how am i asking this did you listen to song a and say how good is song a in my in my one opinion and here's song b how good is song b in my opinion or were you looking at it as a collective song a and song b artist mostly i would say i tried to judge each song very specifically on its own song merits. Um, but we only had a scale of one to six. And uh, uh, by the time we got to that cream of the crop, you know, 130 songs, um, a lot of the ones to threes had been weeded out. So, you know, it was a, uh, you only had a few numbers. And uh, I think that, uh, there were a couple examples where an artist had a fantastic, you know, like a six on their first song. And the second song w was certainly not as strong. It was maybe a, th a three, you know. Uh, so that would be a cumulative score of nine. But then there was another artist who had two really strong songs, maybe not six, but uh, might have been a five and a five. And then those that artist would ultimately score higher, uh, having two very strong songs as opposed to, you know, a fantastic song and then and not so good. And I think that that's probably fair. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So, yeah, it's interesting. And I, um, I, I really spent a lot of time on it because, you know, I wanted to be, I didn't want to go four hours in you know, on listening to these songs. Mm -hmm. I, I, I wanted to be fresh. You know, I remembered what it was like to send these songs in and I, I prayed a little, you know, <laughs> from the like, just just listen to them please, you know, with with a good ear and um, and that, uh, so I did. I mean, I, I, I took breaks and, and, and thought about it and listened back over and, and so forth. And, you know, one other thing I, I would say is the production didn't matter at all. I was just know? gonna ask, okay. Yep. I, I had some full band, very nicely produced songs that, um, you know, were kind of average and scored okay, but not particularly high. And I had some nearly iPhone guitar and vocals that, that blew me away. It was all about the song, the writing, the uh, melody line, the feeling. Uh, that, was, that was what we were focused on. So. Well, so say, say you have a song, let's make them both iPhone recordings, and one of them, had, the lyrics are maybe a, a three and a half, three to four range, but the melody is incredible. The melody is like yeah. a six. Yeah. Then you have another song 
where it's the most amazing lyrics. The lyrics are like a six, and the melody is boring. It's, you know, it sounds like a 21 Pilots song. Sorry, 21 Pilots. Um, but I mean, just bop, 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 bop the whole time. What do you do in those situations? I can't remember that situation per se, but I'll tell you that I'm pretty lyric driven. Yeah. You know, just, just as a writer myself, um, if, if you're catching me with good line after good line, uh, I think that that, you know, for myself, uh, is, is probably rules over, over everything. And, and, and you know, as well as I, we've heard, we've heard songs of cowboy chords, you know, <laughs> it's been, that kind of uh, uh, stuff has been going on for you know fifty years, but you you put those you put those heart grabbing lyrics over top of it, and it and it still works. Mm-hmm. I still love G chords, man. Who doesn't? G chords and a capo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and I I think that that is the I think, and I speak for myself, but um, I. Th- that particular contest um, was built to uh, to allow the songwriter, the lyricist, to shine. You know, I think that was really uh, the guts of, of of what brought that contest around some you know forty something years ago. So I've tried to stay uh, tried to stay true to that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. And we have plenty more to uncover about you that is not Kerrville judging related, but it was kind mm. of fun to start on that, uh, you know, uh, jumping right with that. And, and listeners that um, that don't know, because I don't know if I mentioned this in the monologue yet, I haven't recorded it, but I was a finalist this year in Kerrville, but was not a winner. I was one of the 24 finalists. And uh, it's called Club Seven, which I had to think about before I understood. They choose six winners of the 24 finalists out of... 700 800 entries and if you're not one of the six finalists you're club seven because because mm-hmm. theoretically you're one away i don't know, <laughs> you know? Yep. Yep. everyone else came in seventh dude i'm a i'm a club seven card holder i i did not win my my first uh, time around in 2017 didn't win and uh so and there are Plenty of big names that uh, that have not won that contest and gone on to have uh, John Hyatt in career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So there's a bunch of them. You won. You were a winner. A club club six. I don't know. What we're going to call that. You were yeah. a winner. <laughs> you were a winner in 2020 last year. Um, and Shannon Address was part of that. Who's who's a, a previous guest on the podcast. Um, so, what happened in 2018 and 2019? I actually didn't apply, and uh, it it was uh, it was a little mistake of mine. I had I had read the rules and thought that if you were a if you were a finalist one year, you had to wait a couple years to, to reapply. So, uh, so I sat out, and uh, and I you know went on did wrote more and uh, and then reapplied in, in 2020. So, gotcha. Oh. which which was fine. Yeah, worked out well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how would you have felt? I mean, would it have had any impact on on your soul or on your heart if you were a finalist in 2017 and you were not a finalist in 2018 and you'd applied or when you applied in 2020, you were not a finalist? Would you have said, well, OK, mm-hmm. there's always next year? I mean, how, how would you have reacted to that? Well, 
again, these are uh, these are the things that uh, that you have to to put into that room and close the door. I, I think you you apply, and if if you don't get in, you you write, you keep writing, and you you put your two best songs in the following year. Um, and there's all kinds of examples of that in the in the music industry of you know just taking that rejection letter. It's it is what it is, and don't take it personally and and keep going. Yeah. Keep trying. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to get to move way backwards here, we're not going to do mm. this in uh in in order. We're just going to jump around, I guess. So um you're somebody and and I've had a a few people on like this and it's very interesting to me. You're somebody who you were not the 12-year-old is like, "Man, I, you know, and I'm going to be a songwriter." It happened a little bit later for you. I think you were saying in your mid-20s you got started on it. So what was your childhood like and what was your relationship with music as a kid? Yeah, I think it was pretty pretty typical. Um, I mean, I certainly listened to music as a kid. And now we're talking about the uh, you know late 70s, early 80s. So things like the Eagles were out there and Jackson Brown. And I remember... Uh, I got my first Walkman, you know, with headphones, and I, I would listen to Fleetwood Mac's Rumors in my ears that I was falling asleep. So those were uh, certainly things that I, that I did, but it, it was never a dream of mine really to be to be a rock star per se. I just I just loved music as as a kid loves music, you know. But I but I had other interests. I rode horses as a kid, and I um, and then I got into cars for a little while and then I decided I wanted to be a veterinarian like my dad and so uh, I really buckled down with academics and ended up going to Michigan State and uh, so um, music was always this really nice little sideline interest um, for me but but nothing that I considered as a as a career you know per se yeah Um, but I did pick up a guitar uh, I, I, I still can see me in the back seat of my parents' car driving home from, uh, from school, and you know Bob Seger's Night Moves comes on, right? And I'm like, what is that? Talking about the <laughs> what night is moves. that sound? And I, I, so my mom's like, yeah, I think that's an acoustic guitar, and I'm like, I got to learn how to play that, you know. So they buy me this $200 uh, kind of secondhand, I don't think it was like a Sigma kind of guitar. It had a broken truss rod or something, so you couldn't adjust the the action. And you know, they didn't know, let's play this thing for five minutes and be done with it, right? And I mean, I just cut my fingers on this thing. The action was so high, but I, I, I learned all the all the cowboy chords and got a Mel Bay book. And you know, back then there wasn't any internet, so, um, Kind of taught myself and started playing along with the, the turntable and learned some eagle stuff and along the way took a few lessons but pretty much self-taught and, uh, and that was that was a lot of fun but i didn't sing i didn't write i just i just played along you know um and it wasn't till till much later on that i actually started writing I mean, at, at what point? At what point did you start writing? And was it strictly therapy at the time, or did you say, "Hey, you know, maybe I will, maybe I'll pursue this"? Mm, yeah. Um, well, certainly, writing uh, for me was was therapy. And to, to drop back a little bit, uh, I'm a um, 
oldest of, of three sisters. And my youngest sister, uh, when she turned nine, kind of came down with this mysterious illness and uh, took about a year to figure it out and finally uh, came up with the diagnosis that she had a brain tumor. And she spent another five years and five brain surgeries, um, you know, struggling and um, and we lost her at, uh, at 15. So that was a pretty formative experience in my life. And it was a long time ago, you know. But uh, I, I walked away with that in a pretty big existential crisis, you know, looking back on it now. I mean, all my friends, you know, I'm this high school kid and just graduating and, and they're all out partying and I'm, I'm like, you know, we could die tomorrow. You know, I mean, that was my experience. You know, something could just take you. And so what do I do with my life? And um, so I and I didn't know what to do with that. You know, and at the time, um, you know, there's therapy out there, but I, I, I don't think we we realized how um, how troubled I was. You know, I mean, I looked OK on the outside and I was doing good in school and grades and everything. But. I kept kind of this inside, and I uh, finally, when I hit college, I just, uh, uh, well, I had an English class, and, and the professor gave us an assignment. She says, I want you to journal every day. I want to, you know, uh, fill a page. And, uh, and so I did, and, and all this stuff started pouring out of me, and I spent, uh, spent a lot of time with that, and, and I learned to love the pen on paper. I mean, I... I it became so therapeutic for me. And then um, you know, right along that time, U2 was, was making a pretty big splash. And, uh, and that, was, that was hitting the college scene pretty big. And I, it, it hit me that uh, in this existential sort of what do I do with my life? And then I'm seeing these guys, you know, and the poetry and the passion and, and, and you know, change the world kind of stuff that they were doing. And I thought, That's, that is really cool. I mean, I, if, if I could do something like that. Um, and so that's, that's when I started, you know, uh, learning more of those songs and, and eventually starting to write my own songs. And, and it all kind of came out of that, uh, that morning page therapy thing. Mm. Wow. <clears throat> wow. So you really, you owe that English teacher a lot. I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you stay in touch at all? <laughs> no, I didn't. I um, no, I really. Um, it it almost kind of didn't hit me until after the semester was over, and I kept doing it, and I realized how important it was to me, you know. Um, and uh, and then I continued on, and it was funny because I I was introduced to the artist way, uh, the the book. I'm I'm sure you're familiar with yeah. that as well. Yeah. Uh, and another artist friend gave me a copy and I reading through that and I thought, gosh, I've been doing this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it works. It, it does work. Wow. So what, I mean, you're, you've got another full-time job that you're doing. I mean, you are fully mm-hmm. committed to veterinary work and, and, mm-hmm. and as is your wife and animals. Yep. What's your balance? I mean, I, I think I, I, I'm just curious about that because you've got, You've got days probably where you get a phone call and you're like, hey, this animal is in big trouble and we need you right now. Um, and you've also need room to be creative, but they're two totally different worlds. How do you balance um, Andy the vet and Andy the artist? 
Yeah, it's tricky. Um, but I think the things, the two things work together pretty well for me. Um, you know, first off, uh, medicine is kind of its own creative thing, and uh, that probably surprises people, but um, the, the way you solve problems in medicine, um, you, a song sometimes is also a problem to solve. I think that uh, Jason Isbell said that a song at some point just becomes a puzzle where you're trying to put pieces together, you know, and, and, and sometimes medicine is, is like that as well, where you're trying to, to put pieces together and think creatively about, you know, what's happening in the body and, and how I can fix it. Um, I'm actually, I do quite a bit of orthopedic work, and so uh, when a fractured bone comes to me, I have to think creatively about how I'm going to fix this, you know, put this thing together. And the other thing I would say is that I tend to be a songwriter who writes in bits and pieces and in, in, in flashes. Um, I cannot sit all day at a desk and write. I mean, that would be some level of torture, you know, for me. Yeah. But sometimes it's 10 or 15 minutes, you know, and it, sometimes it's a drive to the store and, and I just turn off the radio and, and whatever song I'm working on, I just get that little melody in, in my head and sometimes it's a line or two and, or a verse uh, that, that will come to me in that very short period of time. And then I go back to work and I let it go and I turn my brain over to the other thing that I'm doing. And in turning that song off and then turning it back on, sometimes uh, problems get solved. Mm. And as opposed to sitting and pushing and, you know, and bashing it for, for hours. So, um, so I'm a little bits and pieces, you know, kind of guy. Um, I don't know if you watch, do you watch Big Bang Theory at all? No, I don't, but I've yeah, heard, right. I've heard plenty. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe some of your audience, it, it, one of the shows opens with, uh, with Sheldon and, you know, he's a scientist and he's got this chalkboard behind him and he's got his back turned to the chalkboard and then he, he quick glances at it and then turns back around and he quick glances at it and turns back around. He's trying to solve this problem and he's mm -hmm. basically just flashing it in his brain and then, and then looking away. And, and sometimes for songwriting, that's me too, you know, I'll flash something at myself and then and then look away for the rest of the day and then flash it again and sometimes that um, that's how my brain works best you know with with lyrics um, so mm. so I can fit these things in sometimes in the wee hours of the morning or drive late at night even driving at home um, without having to devote you know hours to it obviously there are other times when I do need to in the weekends and, you know, where I need to sit down for an hour or two and figure out a guitar part or a melody line or whatever. Um, but I don't, uh, I don't, you know, I can't devote hours to it every day. So I, I slip it in between the seams and um, sometimes that works pretty well for me. Do you feel, do you feel fulfilled from that? I mean, is there something do you ever say, oh, God, I wish I had more time to do this. Oh, I'd love to go mm. out on a tour. I would love to X, Y, Z. I mean, or do you think that right now this is the perfect balance? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, is the answer to that. And All of it. <laughs> probably at this, 
Yeah, I'm 56, you know, and at this point in my life, uh, I would love to devote more to music and, you know, see where that would go. But um, I'm also realistic about it, uh, that that I realize that I'm I'm not going to be a uh, YouTube sensation, you know, probably at this age. Or, and I'm not even looking for that, actually. Um, I have a pretty pure motivation of wanting to write the best songs that I can and put them out there to whoever uh, will listen to them. Um, so, that said, yeah. of course, of course, <laughs> I would love to do those things. And, yeah. and the more I get to do it, uh, the more I want to do. But I'm sure that there are touring artists out there who are sitting in a chair, maybe talking to someone who are thinking, I would love stability. I would love that I'm not, you know, wondering where the next paycheck is coming for, you know, as well. And I think, um, humbly, I am, um, it's one of the gratitude things I have about my life is that I've, I've done okay in, in my work and I, I don't have to support myself with music. I don't have that pressure. So I can come at it from a different angle uh, and and it's my it, my playtime in a sense. That's really nice. That's something that's come up in conversation with past guests and also something I just hear a lot about is or, or talk to a lot of friends about like, hey, I, I love writing. I want to do this all the time, but I have two kids or yeah. or whatever, but I have... $200,000 in student debt, so I might as well use this PhD, whatever, whatever it is, um, you know, and I, I'll be 30 in August, and I do just do music, but, but I'm at a point where, well, I'm engaged, I'm getting married next year, we're not gonna have kids right away, but at some point we will, and I've started thinking about those things, like, do I want to be out till 10, 11, 12, 1, 2 in the morning playing cover gigs until my supposed songwriter stuff takes off, right? Or, or, I mean, it's, it's just a lot to think about. So it's inspiring to chat with you about that as somebody who has, hey, here's my balance and it works well and I like it and it's okay. It's, it's great. I mean, you seem very centered about the whole thing. Well, and I did pay my dues with those cover gigs. I mean, I remember (laughs) for a year, I, I played a, I played a Thursday night bar gig for four hours in a town down the road um, when I was probably your age, you know, and I, that, (laughs) this is the only thing I remember. I mean, back then you could still smoke inside and I would open up my guitar case the next day and it would be like, oh my God, how did I, how did I even sing for four hours in that environment, (laughs) you know? Yeah. so I, I, I did that. And I, you know, you have more energy too in your 20s and 30s. I think you can, you can, you can swing that. I, I, I was still veterinarian by day and doing some of that, that stuff at night. But eventually you've got to start making some decisions and it's, that, it's not a healthy long-term um, thing to do. But, you know, you mentioned balance and I, I was actually um, listening to, uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And by the way, your podcast is great. Thank you. Uh, you really have a, um, you, you are, uh, you're well-spoken 
you have uh, great questions uh, for you for your guests, and so I applaud what you're doing. Uh, there's another podcast, Rich Roll, that I listen to, and uh, I'm a triathlete, and he is too, so he goes a lot of this athletic stuff, but uh, he's talking about balance. And he's like, you really shouldn't look at balance on a day-to-day basis. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to do work so many hours today and I'm going to do music this, and, and I'm going to, and if I don't get that balance today, I'm way off balance. You should have a longer arc mm. to your thought of balance. So maybe within months or within a year, maybe you're working on an album. And yeah. for a while, your life is a little out of balance because it takes a lot of time to put an album together. Yeah. But um, over the arc of a, a number of years, that does get balanced in. There's times when you're when you're hitting that stuff hard, and there's times when you're not, and you're and you're doing other things. So um, as long as you're keeping your eye on on the bigger picture, um, you know. Don't worry too much about the day-to-day balance yeah. stuff, but get your sleep. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good daily thing. <laughs> get your sleep. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's great. When I know that's, when we played together, when we did that writer's round a couple weeks ago, um, you were in your athletic clothes, Uh talking about the the triathlete yeah and like, yeah my, you know my wife and i just ran 50 miles or whatever it wasn't 50 miles but i remember thinking oh my gosh this guy's got his shit together however long his arc is he's got a good arc <laughs> you know and when do when did you first get into when did you first get into athletics i mean were you always doing sports and things i am the most unlikely triathlete you will ever meet i um my <laughs> wife uh got into this, uh, neither one of us athletically inclined, but she was hitting 40, 40th birthday, and a friend of hers uh, convinced her to do a, a little sprint triathlon on her 40th birthday. And so she started running, we call it uh, pole to pole, you know, the telephone poles down our down our road. She could she could run that far and then walk and then run. And, and, and eventually, and I was actually putting my second album together. This was around 2010. I was doing down. I was self-producing. So, again, a lot of a lot of work down in the basement studio. Um, and I'm like, go, girl. You know, <laughs> have fun. I'll come watch you do this thing, right? And uh, and she just transformed. Like it, it wasn't just a, a, a phys- I mean, she lost weight and she, you know, she really got. But mentally, I mean, she just seemed happier. And she and I watched you do this race and. Watched all these people in spandex, and I, inside I was making this metal note like, "No way! There's no way uh, you will ever see me doing this," you know. But, but obviously, yeah. I was very proud of her, and I, I thought it would be a one-time thing. And then she signed up for the next race, and now I'm thinking like, "Okay, uh, maybe I have a choice to make here. Uh, either I'm going to be watching the kids every night <laughs> yeah. while she's out running." Or, <laughs> Uh, if you can't beat him, join him. So I did, and and I fell in love with it. It was suddenly this thing that we were doing outdoors, and there was the, the wind in your face and the sun, and the um, and I hadn't done really anything athletic in high school, so my knees were good, and uh, and I just uh, I fell in love with it. And and the toughest part was swimming. I I I had a near phobia for 
water and putting my face in the water and and yeah. learning how to breathe and, and I, I literally had to hire a coach for for a couple months to teach me how to swim a lap you know so I could I could finally do it's it's literally one of the top five things I would say that I've conquered in my life is swimming um, to at least get reasonably comfortable in the water and a few years later, we were doing our first Ironman race in Cozumel, Mexico, you know, two and a half mile swim in the ocean, 112 mile bike, and then you run a marathon. And uh, God, a few months later, is that what you said? A, a few years later. Oh, yeah, a few years yeah. later. Okay. Yeah, we, we started this in 2010. I think 2012 was our, was our first full distance um, triathlon. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. Um, it was... Uh, it's it's really changed my life from, and and I'm still doing these things. So, um, from a lifestyle, van, I mean, you have to watch what you eat. You know, you you have to you have to eat healthy, you have to sleep well, um, you have to be disciplined. You know, and get into these routines, um, and you have to. Uh, you know, you have to get up at four in the morning when you don't want to get up at four in the morning and hit a cold pool. And it's it's hard, but but it always feels good uh, when you're done with that. And it's there's a lot of parallels to songwriting with that for me as well. You know, there's times when you don't want to pick up the guitar. You just you've got a half hour or an hour in front of you and, you, and it just there's days it feels like work. Yeah, and, of course. But once you pick up the guitar and once you start into it, you you always feel good when you're done whatever you did and and sure. it's the same you know with a with a run or a bike or, or whatever and i've also found that these things you know distance running distance cycling these are kind of become meditative things for me and i don't know if you meditate um but i do not i i have a horrible time sitting and quieting my brain and it's it's going I have the squirrel brain i know everybody does but yeah it it's it's very difficult and but if when i'm on a spike and i've got my body in motion um it seems like my body my, my mind calms and i have literally written songs out on a bike or or out on a run because i've 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 occupied my mind with this running thing a part of my mind and it frees another part of my mind to think singularly about a line i'm trying to figure out and yeah. just with the rhythm of you know the body move it, 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 there's music in that too mm -hmm. you know that four on the floor bass you know sometimes that feels like your feet you know pounding the pavement and so, um, so yeah, a lot of musical stuff has happened um, on these on these long runs. And I'm I'm a big proponent of uh, you know if you're stuck on a song, take it for a walk, get outside, and, uh, and take a walk for a while, and just breathe some fresh air. And I I've been amazed at how many problems I've solved outside. Hiking is another thing too. I have yeah. we've fallen in love with hiking, and I know you're you're in hiking central there yeah uh, we did a bunch of hiking when we were out there it's ah oh, it's amazing and i have i've written a number of songs hiking just just plodding along and and uh and um, allowing 
part of my mind to be you know carrying the backpack and the other the other part to be thinking about music no oh, that's wonderful i i'm a runner that's my morning ah. thing and that's i i think that's meditative in a sense because i you know people say oh how do you run i can't do a mile or whatever and I don't, you know, you don't think about it once you get started. I mean, the first couple hundred yards when you start breathing heavier than you normally do, you're like, ah, shit. But, but then you just go and you listen to music or listen to nature or whatever. And uh, I don't know, it's always, it's always therapeutic and meditative in a way. But I think I'm like you. I, I mean, I don't sit still and try to think about nothing. Um, that'd be hard to do. Yeah. Some yeah. people do it. I didn't yeah. Know. <laughs> um, Oh, go ahead. They talk about um, this thing that in in athletic circles they talk about the flow state, you know. So it's this it's this moment. Maybe you felt it too, where suddenly you don't feel your body. So it's a little bit of an out of body experience where you're mm -hmm. kind of lifted a little, and suddenly your body's just doing its own thing, and time slows down a little bit, you know. And uh, I think for me, um, I'm always kind of after that moment a little. And, and it can happen in music, too, where you're really on a groove. Maybe you're writing something or, or maybe you're just rehearsing a song or whatever, and you just suddenly you're just lost in it. I mean, you just lose yourself and you lose track of time. And you've been like, I've been playing this for an hour. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Um, and they call it the flow state, you know, and it's it's uh, I, I'm always kind of in pursuit of that. I don't know. Maybe maybe mushrooms would be a good shortcut. I don't know, but uh. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I haven't tried. I haven't. Uh, I haven't tried them. <laughs> yeah, nor have I. But uh, <laughs> a lot of talk about that these days. Uh, but uh, but at any rate, um, I I think that that that's also what I I keep going after, and and you, you catch little bits of it here and there. On, on really good days. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Can so I didn't ask you about this earlier, but can we can we actually go through a couple of your songs? Sure. Sure. And I'm you know, I am I allowed to play your songs on the podcast? I didn't ask you that either. I'm off my rocker Are you today. Allowed? <laughs> Was your publisher you gonna come after me? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. Most people are very willing, but you know, there's other times where, you know, if they're with yeah. a publishing company, Absolutely. It, it is what it is. But um, I, yep. you sent me a couple songs here, and I'll play them at some point. Maybe I'll play one before and after the interview, or maybe I'll insert them right here. I don't know, whatever works. But I wanted to go, just kind of go through your process with you on, on uh, one or two of your songs, because I think it'd be really interesting. Um, you know, maybe from the listeners, you can say, hey, here's a songwriting perspective from a Kerrville winner, or maybe you're just, uh, maybe you're listening as a non-musician and you get an insight into someone else's craft. Maybe you're a vet and you don't know anything about songwriting, you know, uh, and, mm -hmm. and you're listening to the podcast and, and here it is. So, um, yeah. so this, this first tune is called 16, um, you know, and this, I think, is a very, very personal song for you, and you kind of brought up the story earlier, but how did this song, before we even go into the lyrics, how did this song really first come about for you? Well, after my sister died, 
um, and I began to do s some writing. Of course, this was one of the songs that uh, that I tried to write and, and and always failed. I mean, it seemed like about every 10 years or so, I'd try to write this song about this experience and, and it never worked. And um, I realized looking back that, that I was always trying to write about my experience, you know, what her life and her death, you know, meant to me through my eyes. Um, I'm in a songwriting group called the Tunesmiths and, and the crux of this group is that uh, we write a song once a month based on a prompt. And so one of the members gives a prompt and, and then we have to use this word in a song and, and we have a month to write it and then we, uh, we post it at the end of the month. Well, uh, the prompt for this particular month was birthday, um, which really threw me. I, I had no idea, you know, what I was going to write uh, with this word. And about a week into it, I, I suddenly came across the idea of um, what if I used um, my sister's 15th birthday as the focus for this song. And, and she, had, uh, she had always wanted to live long enough to get her driver's license, uh, to, to live to her 16th birthday. And she didn't. She passed away a couple months before. Uh, but I always remember that. And so the song takes place at her 15th birthday. And uh, once I decided to write the song through her eyes at her 15th birthday, it all came together. And I don't know, Andy, if you've had that experience, I'm, I'm sure you've had, uh, where once something clicks, it just you go, oh, and the flood doors open, you know? Yeah. And I'll be honest, man, I, I re-grieved a lot during that month, uh, those couple weeks of writing that song, and I, I cried openly. I mean, I, you know, there were a couple lines in there that came to me, and I just bawled. Um, and it was... It was really good for me. I mean, it was, the word is cathartic. You know, I, I, I felt like I, I welcomed her into it. And I just, I just, whatever you want me to write here, you know, I'll write. And, and I don't know if some of this came, who knows where this stuff comes from, right? Um, maybe some of it came from her, but I, I just, um, I, I, it was like, it was like I was kind of sitting on the sidelines watching this thing play out. And, and I love it. I love it when that happens as a songwriter, when, when you're just part of something so much bigger that, that you can't even explain the mystery of that. It, that's the thing that brings me back to songwriting every time, when I get to experience just a little bit of that. Um, that's yeah. the magic. And there was a lot of that in this song. So I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. And but, <laughs> But yes, I felt it was a special song at the moment. I, I, I didn't know who it was going to be. It was just going to be me or my family that it was going to be special for. Um, it, it ended up on the album. Uh, we sent it out to all the national DJs. This album spent some time on the DJ charts. I, I had a DJ uh, email me back. He said, 
this is the best song on the album, but it's too sad to play. <laughs> yeah. And I get it. I, I totally get it. Um, it is a, it is one of those songs, man. Um, but you know, it's in a major key. Mm -hmm. And don't you love that juxtaposition when you listen to something sad and it's, but it's not minors, you know? Yeah. It's, it's in this major key. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, right? And you can do that. You can totally do that and make something that's sad, give something that's sad a positive spin or a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other thing about this song is it's a little understated because it's, it's her voice. So I'm just speaking through her, and she's just, through the song, she's just telling you these things that are happening in, in almost a matter-of-fact manner which is, I think, another thing that I'm, I'm drawn to, that understatement, um, that whenever someone can do that to me as a songwriter, it, it, always, it seems to double the emotional reaction inside of me, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I think that that's also happening um, in that song as well. What so do you let's, think? So let's, let's dive into the song real quick. Yeah. Hospice nurse is counting out the candles Mom is spreading frosting on the cake I'm in my wheelchair Playing with my hair Trying to decide if I should wear my wig Couple of my high school teachers coming See my friends since my last day of school Probably half of them To see me once again Don't blame them if there's something else to do I'm just a kid With a birthday dream Trying to make it To sixteen About the thing. 
15 candles And eat my peas from the center of the cake And thank my lucky stars That I have come so far Celebrate the gift of another day I'm just a kid With a birthday dream Trying to make it To sixteen So you know, the centering thing around this, and you're talking about writing it from her perspective, which is absolutely brilliant. And I, I mean, I, I always tend to make everything about me, and I think most of us do. And, I, you know, the really powerful thing about this song, amongst other things, is that it's not about yourself anymore. You forgot maybe the first few times that you wrote the song that it's not about it's not about you and your grieving as I mean, that's part of it, but this sweet little girl didn't make it to her 16th birthday. Um, and, and, and I don't even tell you that in the song. Yeah, right. Right. She, well, you just know that she's trying to make it. I mean, that chorus that we, that, you know, the line we keep coming back to is I'm just a kid with a birthday dream trying to make it to 16. Um, and that's so incredible. I mean, it's very powerful to come back to that. So and can I read through some of the lyrics? Sure, sure. So if we look at the first verse, let's, we'll, you know, go through the story. Um, yeah. a, the hospice nurse is counting out the candles. Mom is spreading frosting on the cake. I'm in my wheelchair playing with my hair, trying to decide if I should wear my wig. Couple of my high school teachers coming. Ain't seen my friends since my last day of school. Probably hard uh, for them to see me once again, don't blame them if there's something else to do. Um, there's so much covered in that without saying, without saying illness, you know that there's an illness. And what really strikes me about this first verse is that it's undoubtedly awkward for her friends to come see her and they just, they just want to be normal and, and not think about the sadness. And, and she is stuck in it yep and she's forgiving them for not coming which is a true story wow wow but let me put my judge hat on let me step away from this song and then look back at from someone who didn't write it you know those first couple lines completely set the scene for, for the song, and I, I think that's so important as a songwriter um, to do that, that you, you've got to open and, and set the scene well. And I think even with those first couple lines, you realize that, uh, you know, hospice nurse and, you know, uh, wheelchair and wig, you already know, you know, significant information about what's happening here. Mm-hmm. And of course, the birthday cake and, and mom and so forth. Um, but I think that's very important as a songwriter to do that. That first verse set the scene uh, is uh, um, is a is a big deal, and I, th I think that that went well in this song. 
Oh, yeah. abs- absolutely. And patting normal. myself on the back. Yeah, yeah. Well, you should. You should. <laughs> you know, normally something. If this was a country song and a birthday was mentioned in the first verse, it would be a happy time. There would be beers and sandcastles. Um, and the fact that you are. It's interesting how you're setting the scene as a sweet moment in the middle of something horrific. Yeah. Um, but this is this is supposed to be a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a lot to think about. I mean, if you're a listener who listens to lyrics, I mean, that's you can't listen to that verse without thinking, "Wow, that's a good day for her." Yeah. Um, I hadn't thought of it that way, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, there's quite a juxtaposition between um, what's happening to her and, and, and a good day, a birthday. Yeah, a really good day. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's see what happens uh, in, the next, in the next verse. I do anything to sneak out after midnight and be naughty with a boy under the stars. Get grounded for a week, throw a tantrum in my sheets, complain about how mean my parents are. But all they do is grapple with the questions as to how and why this tumor's chosen me. And it don't matter how you cry or how you pray at night. It don't change the spot on the x-ray screen. I, first off, I, I love the, the last two lines, how you sum that all up. Um, but the, the thing that catches me most about this verse is that now you sort of do tell us what's wrong. And you use tumor um, very casually. What was your decision to to actually put the word and the cause in the song? I felt like that second verse. Um, she was a lighthearted soul, you know, with a lot of humor, and I and I felt that with this subject, it could certainly go deep and sad um, too too much. You you could do too much of that in this song and overwhelm the listener, number one. So there needed to be a moment of not lightheartedness, but but also maybe the second point to show that that she just wanted to be a normal kid, you know? She she didn't... She didn't want to die a virgin, you know. I remember saying, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, what she did. You know, she she wanted what teenagers want, you know, and and she even would have loved to just be mad at her parents for, you know, and throw a tantrum for totally irrational, normal reasons, and yet, you know, she couldn't. She didn't. She didn't have that opportunity, uh, and her parents, my parents, cared deeply 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 about all of this and she would have loved to just you know just be mad at him like a normal teenage kid and 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 yet she couldn't and so part of that was also a a nod to my parents you know that uh that that they did as much as they could in this situation and and then that last one about prayer um you know, I think that part of my 
part of my crisis during that time was was religious. You know, I just I just questioned a benevolent God who could allow this to happen to a beautiful little girl, and I don't know that I've got all that figured out, um, but uh, I I. That line, you know, it doesn't matter how much you cry or how you pray at night. It doesn't change anything. That was maybe my, maybe my own personal deepest, darkest moment in all of that, realizing that, uh, you know, even prayer wasn't going to save her. And I even remember there were some healing prayer group people who wanted to come in and try to do a a healing for her and we ultimately just didn't allow that because it just felt like it would you know what do you do with that um Mm -hmm. i hope i didn't offend anybody out there but you know you've got a little girl dying of cancer and (laughs) you're gonna i don't know um yeah but that all worked its way into a song, you know, it worked its way into that. Um, but there is a, there is a, there's a change, a little change of scenery there in that second verse and, uh, and, and very purposeful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what was the age difference between you and your sister? Oh gosh. Uh, I want to say, and I don't know this for sure, probably, uh, eight to 10 years, somewhere in there. Okay. Okay. So she was able to confide those things in you. Like, I don't want to die a virgin and you know. Yeah. 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 Well, the whole family knew it, you know, we we laughed about it. I mean, in a, in a good way, you know, I mean, it was just, there would just be tears and, and and then there, she would say this funny thing and, and we'd all laugh in the midst of our tears. Those would be the things that that she would say. Um, Wow. In, in, an, in an impossible situation, you know, her yeah. humor would come out, and, and it was really beautiful. Wow. So yeah. let's see how you, uh, you finish this thing up. Our, our final stanzas. Mom cries about the things that I'll be missing. Dad cries about the daughter he can't save. And they tell me when it's time, baby, to run into the light. Oh, but what if all I want to do is stay? Stay. Tonight I'm going to blow out 50, 15 candles and eat my piece from the center of the cake and thank my lucky stars I have come so far, celebrate the gift of another day. I mean, the the very end of that is that positive spin, right, of how many people didn't get 15 years. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a tough thing. How many people didn't get 15 years, but look at these people around me who are getting much more and living seemingly normal lives on the outside. It, I, I think, I think it's tied together really well. It's impossible not to be emotional about this song. She was also a thankful person and she would, um, I know totally support that, that last verse. And it's, it's something that I've come away with as well to many times as I can remember to be thankful for, you know, this day and this time. Um, it's, it's easy to get wrapped up in all the stuff that, that we have to do. Um, but, uh, you know, try to come back to that as, as often as possible. 
that bridge was, uh, um, dude, I, yeah, I, I lost it a lot writing that, uh, you know, mom cries about the things that I'll be missing and which is, is true. She said that a lot, you know, my dad, um, cries about the daughter he can't save, which is my dad, you know, who wants to save and, you know, you and I as men, we want to fix things and, and this is, was a thing he couldn't fix. And, uh, yeah. Um, and they did tell her to run into the light. Wow. And she, she died at home and, and, uh, yeah. Wow. Well, I'm well, feeling a little choked up right now, actually, <laughs> even, even all this time later. It's, uh, I mean, I, I, I appreciate you very much going, going through this incredibly deep song with all of us and listening through to it. It's a, it's a beautiful song and a beautiful story and, um, you know, qu quite an accomplishment too, to not, not just write a song about it, but take the time and, and, and think about all the different perspectives and have those difficult thoughts. Um, yeah. you know, well, I think that. And I write fun songs too. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll play out. We're gonna play out on a fun song. That's what we'll do. And you know, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't play this at bars. I don't, you know, I, I'll do this at a listening venue. Um, but uh, I, I think for me, this is, this is. I'm so, I'm so thankful to be a songwriter that that. I, I remember that that was the thing when I walked away from this song after writing it. I'm just like, how did I get so blessed that that I had that moment where I felt like I got back with my sister and and we wrote this thing and and I feel I feel so much better now about it and mm -hmm. um, and I and I just felt thankful just just thankful that I had some gift or whatever you want to call it that that I could write those words down and in memorandum of her and and um, I wrote another song just recently it's not out well it's on YouTube actually we, we lost uh, my in-laws here this uh, last winter and, um, and you know, they were in their 90s and ready to go and it, it wasn't COVID but you know losing your parents in a COVID time is difficult there's no funeral and you know commemoratives but I wrote them this song and um, and again it was another one of those it took them back to the moment that they met in a dance hall and it's uh, um, and it was a very again a very cathartic and meaningful thing and I, again I walked away from that song thinking like wow how, how did I get so lucky that you know I can write a song <laughs> it's just it's amazing it's we're so lucky gift. to do that absolutely and, and so you know uh, i hope this isn't too big of a downer for you you don't have to go out and 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 write these things if you're not moved to um but uh um, but if you have the opportunity to and, and delve into that it's it's um it, it's worth the time yeah yeah wow and I know I gotta let you go. Uh, the last thing I was gonna ask you is about these. You're, you mentioned the songwriting groups and the Tune Smiths, and you're kind of you're one of the leaders of that, right? Uh, mm -hmm. At this point, when did you first get involved, and 
how is that? I mean, I know it, it helped create this this song that we just talked about, but overall, how has that helped you develop um, as a writer? I mean, do do you listen to everybody else's song every month? Do you do you feel pressure? I mean, what's what's the experience like being in a songwriting group with with other great writers? Yeah. It's been a, a huge, huge value to my writing. Uh, number one, I'm deadline driven. So I need deadlines to do the work, to sit down and, you know, uh, write this stuff. So the rhythm of writing a song a month is just perfect for me. It, it gives me time in between to sometimes not write, but then as the pressure starts to mount, um, you know, I, I, I know that I, I need to allow this priority to rise to the top and, and it does. And I, um, I have occasionally, I mean, you have to post this song by midnight of the last day of the month. So, you know, <laughs> there have been times at 11 o'clock at night and I'm stuck on a second verse and I'm panicking and, and something happens. Sometimes I need that pressure, that panic moment um, to really drive my creativity and and something will come out and sometimes it's really good and it never would have happened without that deadline. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one of the things. Um, of course, I'm writing with this other group of 12, not writing with them, but writing for them in a sense. I'm going to post this song and then they're going to post their critiques. And this is all on a secret Facebook group, so apologies that you can't go there. Um, but uh, we all comment on each other's songs, and these are all great writers, and, and I respect them all. So it's, it's elevating my game just knowing that they're going to listen to the song and they're going to they're gonna give me feedback. Um, so every time I write a song, I'm thinking about them, you know, and what are they going to think of this thing? Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then thirdly, the prompt. You know, the, so there's this one word. Um, and, and all of us 12, we rotate the prompt. So every month someone else gives to give a prompt. Um, let's see, uh, this month, uh, Wes Collins, uh, who won Kerrville a number of years ago, uh, was his prompt and, and the prompt was bored, B-O-A-R-D or B-O-R-E-D, whichever one you wanted. And so this word is rattling around in your brain all month and you're thinking bored, you know, what? you know, two boards together, straight as a board, you know, what, and, and pretty soon you're on this detective little search of what this means to you. And, and at some point that word hooks up with something that you've kind of been thinking about. And suddenly there's this idea that comes in and now you're tracking that thing down like a hunter, you know, and, and eventually you come up with a song that you otherwise never would have imagined writing in it, and it started with that word. Um, so prompt writing takes you to places where you, you normally wouldn't go. And I think that that is the thing that has gotten me so intrigued with it. So although you can't get in this group, sorry, unless someone drops out and then we nominate you, but you can, you know, people who are listening, you form your own group, man. Grab a couple buddies of yours and say, let's do this thing. Let's try this thing for a couple months, you know? And, uh, and it's just, it's, it's simple to do. Uh, it's not co-writing. Um, you're, you're all writing your own song, 
but you're committing to doing it by the end of the month, and and um, it it uh, it's become a it's become a discipline and a, and a joy, and 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 lastly, um, you know, to hear all these other twelve songs coming from all different angles over the same word. We all started with the same word, and everybody just flew in different directions. And the stuff that comes back is. It's wonderful. <laughs> so yeah. it's a lot of fun. I was when you said bored, and it could be either bored. I thought I that was the first thing I thought about was like how many different songs came in. Like definitely twelve totally different mm -hmm. songs came yeah. in. Yeah, well they're all due tonight. It's the what's the thirty first, so they're they're starting to fly in. So tomorrow I'll I'll sit down and and listen to them. I have this new album of songs that people have written, and uh, it's really amazing. It's a lot of fun. Wow, that's that's really cool. Well, if you don't mind, stay on the line with me for just a sec. But I I want to say thank you to you publicly in front of whoever's listening. Thank you very much for your time and and wisdom and your story. Andy, glad to share our name, man. <laughs> right on. <laughs> it's been a pleasure talking to you. Right on. Thanks, Andy, for chatting with me. We're going to play out with one of his songs called I Know. We just heard 16 and analyze it. Now we're going to listen to I Know. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, hate mail, or death threats, you can send them to me, middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. I'll chat with you next week. I awake from a dream. I'm crawling across the desert on my knees And I hold upon my back The heaviest mistakes of my past And you said, baby, if you can't let them go The weight of this regret will crush your soul I know, I know, I know, I know, I know I know, I know, I know, I know, I know I awake from a dream It's a fire in my heart I scream Consumed by all the rage inside of me And you said, baby If you can't put this out This anger's gonna burn you to the ground I know, I know
sky Through the crushed and broken pavement of my life And you said, baby, I will hold you through the night The rest of this, it's gonna take some time I know, I know 